From our studios in Cuenca, Spain, I'm Kate Jetmore with Listen. Our interview series continues today, focusing on women who are raising their children outside of their own culture. From enriching experiences to the toughest of challenges, we'll take an honest look at the experience of making a home far from home. My guest today is Canadian Michelle Franche. A native of Ottawa, Ontario, Michelle studied economics at McGill University and has an MA in economic history from Université de Montréal. She worked as a high school teacher in Montreal before coming to Spain, where she got her degree from the UNED in English Philology. Michelle currently lives in Cuenca with her three children, Eva, Chloe, and Noah. Her twin daughters are 14, and her son is 10. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. First of all, uh, you yourself were raised in a bilingual situation, isn't that right? Yes. I was born and raised in, in Ottawa. And, uh, well, in Ottawa, in my family, we spoke French. So French was our mother tongue. Uh, but everything outside the outside world, friends, uh, school, culture, it was mostly in English. So that was uh, really the uh, situation where I was uh, bo and born and raised. Is that typical? Was that typical of all of your friends as well? They were speaking French at home and English out of No, the not necessarily. Mostly spoke English at home. And they went to uh, French-speaking school uh, because their parents wanted them to learn French. Ah, interesting. Mm. So each family sort of organizes itself in, in the way that works for that family. It works for that family. And um, also in Ottawa, um, one of the main preoccupation is, um, well, not preoccupation, but it's a, an important aspect of life is being bilingual. Um, we, I was raised uh, with, the, with the idea that being bilingual was uh, a way of, um, it was a good point to put on your CV. Professionally speaking, um, Ottawa is the capital, lots of civil servants. If you wanted to become a civil servant, you needed to be bilingual. Interesting. So those are that's sort of similar to the situation in certain cities in Spain, isn't it? I well, maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm thinking of Valencia, where you know yes. you have to speak Valenciano, mm -hmm. yes, or exactly. Barcelona, where exactly. you have to speak Catalan. Exactly, it's a plus on your CV. So mm -hmm. professionally speaking, my father always told us, well, if you're bilingual, doors will open, mm. and he was right. Mm. In fact, I became trilingual. <laughs> well, tell us how that's affecting, uh, how that's influencing the process of raising your own children. Exactly. Well, I try to transmit the same values. Um, I always insist with my children that being bilingual, uh, French and Spanish gives you more opportunities in life and being trilingual, well, that's, wow, that's even, even better. Um, and are your children trilingual? They are bilingual, okay, French, French and Spanish, Spanish and um, English is quite natural. In fact, my two daughters are in a bilingual high school, and uh, and that's Spanish English. That's Spanish English, exactly. And they're doing just great in English. Clearly, their mother tongue is is um, is Spanish. The second language is French, uh, but. English is, is getting there as well. For mm. example, um, to write, they are better in English than in French. So they, they write Christmas cards to my family in English. 
How interesting. So that's what feels natural to them. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Um, Being trilingual is opening more doors and they Mm. are feeling more natural in different contexts. They can choose, basically. They have more options. How does that, how does this dynamic play out Mm -hmm. in the practicalities of daily life? Yeah, well, in, um, I always speak French to my my children and they always answer in Spanish. Always. (laughs) Um, I never insisted on, on them answering in French because I think that, well, I don't want to oblige them. And I think that we learn a language with our heart and that if uh, this target language becomes an obligation, you will not learn it as, as well and you will not speak it as much as you would if it was just natural. And the reason why I don't insist in them answering in French is because when we go to Canada, I see that clearly they are bilingual because they speak to my family in French. And when it comes to English, they are not fluent, but quite competent. So Mm -hmm. I have no worries. And that's why I think that so far I did the right thing. At school, at school, at home, I did a lot of homeschooling in French and English, Mm -hmm. but in a ludicrous way. (laughs) I can't wait to hear the details. <laughs> um, you know, playing games and, and the reading. We we read books in English and in French and in, Sp- in Spanish every single day. And I was always asking my, my children's teachers, can you see an interference with the Spanish language? Because if you see one, I'll stop. But if you don't say anything, I'll continue. And I continued. Mm -hmm. And um, so I didn't really teach them, you know, how to write in French because it's very complicated Mm -hmm. uh, or even in English. But we just read and had fun, had conversations based on books. Mm -hmm. So that's why. How do your children identify? Okay. Do do you know how they identify? Well, clearly, um, we all know the theory. You have to match one parent with with a language. Mm -hmm. And you have two parents, but yet you have three languages. What do you do? So I'm clearly identified to the French language, but also to the English language, because I'm an English teacher here. And you were the parent who brought English into the family. Exactly. And English is natural in my household. It's really natural. And sometimes you mean I in switch. your current household? Yes. Uh-huh. Now, even mm-hmm. more now. Mm-hmm. Um, and also English is um, it's, it's convenient. Uh, we use it when we need it. Because mm. some ideas are better transmitted in English and others in French. Mm. It depends on our linguistic needs, really. Can you think of an example of that? Um, expressions. Mm-hmm. Expressions, um, for example, when I, uh, when I want them to, go, to hurry up, it's in English. <laughs> okay, let's get moving. <laughs> yeah. uh, things like that. Mm. Um, or to, to express... Um, surprise or when I'm amazed it's like wow that is so cool it comes out just like that in in English English, right how interesting that Mm. must really have you ever stopped to think about how the fact that certain feelings or passions or emotions come out in one of those three languages. Oh, definitely. That yeah. kind of reflects the the given culture. Yes, yes. Would you say? Yes. I mean, for- hurrying. I would say <laughs> is more is more typical of the North American culture exactly. than the Spanish culture. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, for example, the expression of um, tenderness is in French. Mm. And to all like my baby talk 
is mm-hmm. always in French, regardless of the baby. <laughs> right, even if it's a Spanish exactly. baby. Exactly. If I'm alone with a Spanish baby, I will speak to him or her in French. Of course. <laughs> because it, it, it's just so you, natural. You can't wrap your mouth around it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How interesting. <laughs> so there are definitely some areas of your life who are associated to uh, to a language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the larger reach mm-hmm. of, of bilingualism, yeah. the broader experience of biculturalism. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? Um, well, by, first of all, bilingualism, um, on the cognitive aspect, I think there's a clear positive impact. Um, Studies show that uh, early on they might have a certain lag in vocabulary, uh, bilingual children, but very quickly they develop other parts of their brains. And the way it works, I was just at a conference on that uh, a few months ago. It was given by a University of Cambridge professor. She was explaining that bilingual children have two languages in their brains and they're constantly competing one against the other. So that the bilingual child has to decide which language to use according to the situation. And uh, he has to consciously, um, when he's switching from one language to another, he he has to consciously um, um, sort of uh, silence, ignore the other language. So these children are better at focusing on a certain task because they are because used they're, to they're practiced they're they're well versed in tuning something out to tune now the irrelevant information right How that's interesting. what has been proven in the last uh, few years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um and uh, and i remember back in kindergarten the kindergarten teacher of my twins used to say your daughters they think differently don't ask me how but they don't think the same way. And it has been shown that uh, bilingual children, truly bilingual children, really uh, activate more parts of the brains. Now, I can't name those parts of the (laughs) brain. Sorry about (laughs) that. And if you (laughs) named them, I would not know where (laughs) you're But so that's the cognitive aspect, and I think that it's, it's quite positive. As for the biculturalism, well, I see that my my children easily pick up on social cues. Mm-hmm. Their sensitivity to social cues is increased. And, um, and that's, that is really, really positive. I mean, can you um, give an example <clears throat> of that? The uh, etiquette, mm-hmm. for example, uh, table manners, mm-hmm. or just being polite. It's so different from one country to another. For example, in Canada, you also always say please and thank you and you're welcome. However, we never say goodbye. We just leave without saying goodbye. In Canada? In Canada. Okay. Uh, Whereas in Spain, where they're not too keen on the please and the thank you, but if you don't say goodbye, you are being impolite. And Mm -hmm. uh, so they they really pick up on that very easily. Um, And also, are they able to sort of turn up the volume on their manners and yes, their etiquette in the, in the appropriate culture and turn it down in, in another culture? It, it, yes, yes. Uh, from my point of view, they're more polite when they're in Canada, mm-hmm. but of course that's my Canadian politeness. Right, right. <laughs> right? Um, but also the values. Um, there are certain values that are really encouraged in Canada that are not so, so much encouraged in Spain. Example... Um, we, we focus a lot, a lot on work. 
mm-hmm. in Canada, probably just like in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, you know, prepare a CV. It's important to have a good CV and so on and so forth. So that my children, now they're 14 years old. Last time they were in Canada, they were 13. And I could see that they were talking to their cousins more about work-related issues and career-related issue more so than when they're in Spain. Mm-hmm. That's one example. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to think of an example. Yes, another example which favors more like the Spanish culture would be um, the human side to different um, activities is encouraged in Spain like Mm -hmm. people are quite human and affectionate and it's Mm -hmm. really important to be nice and good person here so that my children will also um, when they discuss a problem they will highlight that human aspect if they're discussing that problem with a Spaniard a Spanish-speaking person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more so than if they're speaking with a Canadian person so that's when I realized that they really tune in to not just to, you know, more um, uh, uh, not visual, but more obvious aspect of a culture, but even the, the less obvious aspect, um, the values of a culture. They're really do, do you think, tuned in, I find. And do you think they're and quickly. aware of that? Do you mm-hmm. think they're conscious of it or is it something that's just in Not them? yet. Mm-hmm. Not yet. I think they will eventually they will become conscious of that, but not yet. No. Mm-hmm. It's natural for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, um, the, I mean, the way it affects this biculturalism, the way it affects the values of my children, I think they, they just become more tolerant and open-minded because um, <clears throat> they can quickly adapt to changes. They, they are, <clears throat> when we travel from one country to another, they, they are asked to be out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. and they quickly, re- <clears throat> sorry, readjust their behavior so quickly Mm. and they become more tolerant uh, because they see different ways of doing things, Mm -hmm. uh, ways that are praised and that are lived by people that they love. Um, They are more tolerant to different religions or absence of religion. Mm-hmm. They're more tolerant to sexual orientations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're they're just um, more open-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or also the fact that when we go to Montreal, we usually either live in the countryside, like near a lake, out mm-hmm. in the boonies, mm-hmm. or in Montreal, which is like a huge city. And here in Cuenca, we live in a small town. So they learn to be comfortable in both ways of life because it's truly a different way of living mm. it sort of sounds like what you're saying and I, and mm-hmm. I also see this in my son who's mm-hmm. having a similar upbringing mm-hmm. um, that even if they're not familiar with the person or the language or the religion or the food that's in front of them mm-hmm. there's a part of their brain that kicks in and says well try it exactly you know this is an option try it and readjust mm-hmm. because you don't want to be struggling against that culture at least not constantly right so you readjust your behavior well you said the word struggle and that Mm -hmm. leads me to my next question you know it's not always easy to be straddling different cultures you Mm -hmm. know there there are many people i would say the majority of the people in the world are born in a single culture to two parents who are from that culture and are raised you know in a very sort of linear way Mm -hmm. have you ever witnessed your children struggling or suffering and wondered if it was worth it? Mm. 
Um, not really, really. Seriously, um, I was thinking um, no because. Well, I always send them to summer camps either in French, in English, or bilingual. So in Canada, in Canada, mm -hmm. sometimes they well, lately they told me that they didn't want to go to those camps anymore. So I said, okay, that's that's fine. We did it. Um, we learned a lot, but um, that was like their biggest struggle. That, but they were happy at the summer camp. Um, in fact, it's all the opposite. Um, I think they have developed. Um, a sense of proudness of being bilingual for a, a basic reason. Um, we they, they are bilingual. They are bilingual in Spain right at the right moment. Mm. Bilingual is praised now. Twenty uh, years ago, I don't think it was the same situation. But nowadays, <coughs> most parents want their children to be bilingual, and so my kids are aware of that, and they are very proud. And it gives them um, more, you know, self-confidence, I find. Yeah, and a sense of The timing prestige. was right. Prestige. Right. Yeah. And the I, timing was right. Mm. Yeah, that's a happy accident, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you that in the context of Spain, being bilingual, which is even beyond being fluent in another language. I mean, we're talking about someone who is truly bilingual. Exactly. Um, is... I mean, it's just widely praised. There's mm -hmm. no one who would take issue with it. Mm -hmm. In the United States, and I'm curious if you would say this is similar in Canada, mm -hmm. in the United States, there are many, many hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are bilingual. Even but the, trilingual. Mm -hmm. But the reason is that their mother tongue is Spanish. They have immigrated to the United States mm -hmm. And then learned English. Mm -hmm. But those people are not, I would never put the word prestige on their situation. because Stigmatized. They're, absolutely. Yeah. They're stigmatized, yeah. Absolutely. Mm. And so being bilingual in Spanish and English in the United States is a very, very different thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. than being bilingual in Spanish and English in Spain. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you have witnessed or are aware of? Um, well, and, and I don't want to say that everyone has that attitude no, toward no, no, immigrants no, no. in the I United understand States, what you're saying. but yeah, it's a, yeah. sort of a generalized thing that you can witness. Exactly, yeah. Um, in Canada, I, I I wouldn't say so, mm -hmm. um, but maybe I'm just being, uh, I still have this ideal view of my, my home country, I don't know. Um, Canada, people are trilingual because very often um, there's a, um, two languages at home and a third one at school, mm -hmm. right? So that's the Canadian reality, and and there's a big difference between the United States and Canada in this aspect. Um, the political um, the political integration policy in the United States was more like a melting pot policy, mm -hmm. whereas Canada is a mosaic, mm. and that was that started in the times of Prime Minister Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's father. Mm -hmm. He was the one who really. Um, he really uh, insisted on uh, respecting the different cultures, um, not so. Like what a big you mean by melting pot, as opposed to a mosaic, is that they're all in there. It's not that there's any less diversity, but mm -hmm. they're not expected to lose their individuality. Exactly, exactly. 
So that I don't, I don't feel that in when I go to mm. Canada, not at all. Um, but I insist we're um, we're lucky, we're lucky um, because we haven't immigrated here by force. We we're not both right. people. Right. Uh, we have uh, the right color. Unfortunately, it's it's it's. I'm I'm sad to say that, but you know we have uh, the color of the skin that. Uh, favors this uh, this proud brightness. What there's mm. no there's no way around it that mm-hmm. moving through the world with white skin is a very Makes different life thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we could recognize that. So, yeah. Um, what would you say is the greatest gift that you are giving your children by raising them abroad? Mm. Well, as I mentioned before, I think they're just more tolerant mm. and. Being tolerant allows you to live peacefully in whichever life you have to live. Mm. I think so. Life is not always a struggle for you because sometimes you will be asked to move, to to adapt quickly. Resiliency, mm. I think so. Yeah, um, it. I think it is the greatest gift. A uh, gift I can give them. Opening how, their minds. How interesting mm. to hear you say those two words. Mm. Tolerance and resilience, because especially with tolerance, tolerance is something that if you are a tolerant person, you have a certain measure of peace. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're not, there's not an inner struggle. Exactly. Uh, but then there's also a benefit to society. Exactly. What's better than a world filled with people who are who are tolerant? Mm-hmm. And then resilience goes exactly. even a step beyond Exactly. That. And one goes together. I mean, one being tolerant will, I think, will bring you to become resilient later on in life. But they are resilient even even now when mm. they have to, you know, face these changing situations. So mm. that's, I think that's the greatest gift. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for thank talking you. to us today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I'd love to have you come back and talk with us again in the future. It would be my pleasure. Thank you. This completes our series on women raising their children in a culture different from their own. Many thanks to Agnieszka Konyak, Sue Ramiro Ibanez, and Michel Franch for their generous contributions. Next time on Listen, we kick off our newest interview series. We hope you can join us. Listen is sponsored by RAF cutting-edge cuisine in a traditional setting. For a look at the RAF dining experience, visit www.rafsanpedro.es. That's www.rafsanpedro.es. The executive producer of Listen is Laura Munoz-Solera. Our technical director and engineer is Iñaki Martinez, with technical support from Juan Jesus Martinez. Our web guru is Lauren Lovett. Additional engineering and original music from Lucas Munoz Jetmore. I'm Kate Jetmore, and this is Listen. Listen.